Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode 13 of 20 in 20, the rapid-fire review show from the New Experimental Hours Podcast Network. My name's Pat. I'm your host, and today is January 14th, 2021. It is 11.06 a.m., and I'm broadcasting to you from my basement in Chicago. Just got finished eating a massive lunch, uh, kimchi and rice. I had a little leftover white rice, a little leftover kimchi, threw it all in a bowl, put some Clausen's pickles, the spicy dill pickles, right on top. You don't think that would work? You're wrong. It worked great. Ate it with a fork. Pat, why didn't you use chopsticks? Good question. Do I look like I have the fine motor skills? for chopsticks. Do I look like I was raised using chopsticks? No, I don't know how to do it. I'm terrible with chopsticks. So I used a fork and it was delicious. 20 and 20 is just that kind of show. I review kimchi, I review rice, I review chopsticks. I do it all in 20 minutes. That's 20 different reviews in 20 minutes, one minute per review. I use a stopwatch and you know what? I got it all ready. So without further ado, I'm gonna hit start. I like to plug plug a podcast every week if I can. The podcast I've been listening to this week is called Motive. Motive is produced by WBEZ, Chicago's very own NPR affiliate. Motive chronicles the rise of Nazi skinheads in the Chicagoland area in the 80s and 90s. Um, Skinheads in Chicago weren't always Nazis. They weren't always racist. In fact, you had black skinheads early on, but... As these um, Nazi and uh, racist elements kind of grew and were were fostered and spread nationally, um, you saw the rise of uh, movements that are basically still at play today. You know, the siege on the Capitol is a good example. So I think uh, Motive, this podcast is both very interesting as a historical document, also very relevant today. And it's told in that exceptional NPR style. So uh, you, you really owe it to yourself, especially if you're a fan of Chicago history, especially if you're a fan of punk history, hardcore history, uh, the history of the working class, history of racism, and so forth. Motive, the uh, WBEZ podcast. Check it out. Another um, show produced by an NPR affiliate. Can't remember where, but the show is called Folk Alley. Used to listen to it every morning in Juneau when I, when I lived in Juneau. I'd wake up at 5 like I do. And I would, I would just listen to Folk Alley for an hour. I, it, it came on when the alarm went off, and, and I would listen. And the best thing about Folk Alley was that it wasn't like folk music, like indie folk, like you might read about on Pitchfork, you know, like Sufjan or the Fleet Foxes. They might play that stuff, but most of it was just like folk music for like folk heads, like stuff I've never heard of, stuff that is so off my radar. And I would listen to this music, and I would Shazam it, and I would take it home with me, put it on Spotify, and it really enriched my my at-home, you know, listening habits. So Folk Alley, I need to check it out again. It is available to stream online. Um, I'm going to get back in the habit of listening to Folk Alley because I love it. Uh, keep, keep the show rolling. Um, I've been biking, still biking. It's been a very mild winter, so the bike has been, you know, in and out of the garage all winter, and I did have to put on some new tires because I was getting a lot of flats, Went to Comrade Bicycles. I've spoken about them on this podcast before. I asked them, can you give me the most rugged, durable, unlikely to tear or pop or snag bike tires? And they gave me tires called Gator Skins. 
I'm sure if you're an avid bicyclist, you know all about gator skins. I think they're lined with either Kevlar or some sort of metal material. Super strong, super durable, pretty comfy ride, good grip. Um, I noticed that I was riding even a little faster after they put them on. So very psyched on my gator skins. And if you're planning on cycling, uh, especially this winter, you might want to look into investing in a pair. They're not even that expensive. I think they're maybe 40 bucks. That's a good price. Um, stay safe out there on the roads and, and good tires are part of that, right? Okay, this summer I went to a clothing rummage sale in Pilsen. Uh, was put on by a co-worker of Kathy's and they had some really nice stuff. Found a great uh, mountain hardware jacket. But what I want to talk about is another garment that I found. It was a um, light-colored denim shirt by the brand Structure. Do you remember Structure? Structure was in every mall in the late 90s, early 2000s. Sort of a, um, you know, uh, cousin of The Gap or, or um, Express or something like that. Uh, for better or worse, the, the term metrosexual, I'm sure, uh, was spoken out loud in, in Structure. But this shirt is in such terrific shape because whoever wore it before me wore it to death. The elbows are just threadbare, almost white. The blue is so faded, and it's just like the billowy early 2000s shape and cut of this shirt is just like perfect for the moment. I'm really glad I picked it up. I've been wearing it almost two or three times a week. It's my favorite shirt of the winter of 2020-2021. Thank you, Structure. I got to look out for more Structure garments on like Grailed or even just eBay. Read a terrific novel this past week called Red Pill by Hari Kunzru. Apologies to Hari if I'm mispronouncing his last name. Red Pill is about a uh, writer who attends a, um, he gets a fellowship in Germany. He's from the United States. He, he gets this fellowship, travels to Germany, leaves his wife and kid so that he can write a book in, in just outside Berlin and uh, talks about his slow immersion into the world of like the alt-right and, uh, the paranoia that he feels and the sort of the uh, it takes him to the brink, so to speak. I really liked this book. It came out last year. I don't read a lot of new books, so it's cool to feel like I was reading something relevant. Um, he also wrote a book called White Tears that made a pretty big splash a couple years ago. So Hari Kunzru uh, should be on your radar if you're a fan of the, the modern novel. Uh, check him out. Uh, if you're a fan of being able to see at night, I recommend getting a nightlight. Pat, nightlights are for kids. They may be for kids, but they're also for adults. And here's how I know. Because I've been using one for many, many years. And here's the type of nightlight that I prefer. I got them at Costco in a three-pack. It turns on only when you enter the bathroom. I have it in the bathroom. And it's not a glaring white light, yellow light. It is a blue light. Very low uh, light. Very, you can just see the toilet. <laughs> so you don't miss and um and yeah and, and it's just the best flashlight and it, when you could actually use it as a as a flashlight too you can take it out of the wall and you could turn on a switch and it becomes a flashlight very handy around the house uh, i think honeywell makes them a lot of different companies make uh pretty advanced 21st century night lights nowadays get yourself one okay speaking of lights Whenever Kathy comes home from work, especially when she's been working at the COVID clinic, we put her phone, her keys, any cards or wallets she's carrying, maybe her ID, definitely her glasses. 
her lanyard, anything that might have come in contact with the virus, we put it in a UV light. It's a little device. It's about the size of a, um, yeah, it's like about the size of a pencil case, I would say. And you, um, you hit a button and it sanitizes the item inside using UV light. I grant that I might be the victim of placebo effect. I don't know that it works for sure, but it can't hurt. It was a pretty cheap investment at the beginning of the pandemic. We use it a lot. It gives us some peace of mind. We're very thorough. When Kathy comes home, she disinfects. She takes a shower. Her clothes are kept in the garage. You know, I do the washing with a mask on. So um, this is just one of the many, many steps to making sure our house is COVID free. I will be so excited when it's over. <laughs> but that goes without saying. If you've been following 20 and 20 for a while, you know that I love soft rock. A couple weeks ago, I talked in Back in the High Life Again, kind of a soft rock classic. I'm back with another recommendation. This one's an even deeper cut by an artist named Randy Van Warmer. You probably have never heard of Randy Van Warmer, but that's okay because now you are hearing about him. Randy Van Warmer released a bunch of records in the late 70s and early 80s. The biggest hit he ever made was a song called just when I needed you most. And it is so soft and so smooth and very emotional, very emotive. It's a powerful song. It's got kind of that soft edge, fuzzy kind of quality. Just play it. You'll see what I mean. This is going to terrify 90% of my listeners who are used to the aggro music that I usually listen to, who just want to hear bands like The Wipers. This is not The Wipers. This is Randy Van Warmer. He's an interesting cat. I love this song. I've been listening to it all week. Kathy's pissed at me. She wants me to stop listening to it, but I won't. I like it too much. You know what I don't like at the moment is my physique. <laughs> Last week I spoke about Noom, a weight loss app. This week I'm just going to do a little bit of complaining about my physique. 2020 was not the best year for my body. I... Um, didn't put on a ton of weight. In fact, I'm not even sure what my weight is right now. I did not weigh myself before recording this podcast. But I have noticed in the mirror that I am a string bean, just a telephone pole of a man. Disgusting. So pale. No muscle. No definition. I got to pick it up. I got to get to the gym. I got to do some push-ups in the basement. I got to work on my abs. I am just like, I'm going to be one of those old men with the skin just hanging off like a flag, like one of those flags you see at the airport, the orange one that just kind of goes in the wind. That's going to be my skin because I will have no muscle tone. I need to change that. If anyone has any recommendations for simple at-home exercises that could build some of my muscle mass up from my from my old days where I was a chiseled, uh, you know, statue like a, like a, just a, <laughs> like Rodan's the thinker. I'm not sure. Um, please send them my way. I need to, I need to uh, change. I need to do some work. I need to put in the effort and uh, get my body looking the way I want it to look, okay? And it'll help my health long term. I know it. Something that I've been on for many years at this point, Kathy introduced me, is, you know what? We don't buy Kleenex. I'm not saying the Kleenex brand. We don't buy tissues, period. We don't buy, uh, I don't use toilet paper to blow my nose. I don't use tissues. Heaven forbid I don't use paper towels to blow my nose. I use wipes, not like baby wipes. I use cloth wipes, wipes that formerly were actually what we'd use to diaper our children. We kept them after they were done and had been potty trained, and now we use them to blow our nose. And um, 
you can wash the wipes when you're done. It's, it's sanitary in that way. You don't see all that paper waste going to the landfill. But more importantly, it is really good for your nose. I, I regret, I hate having to see friends and family and even just strangers with that strawberry nose with the, when they've been blowing over and over. It's so raw. I haven't had that in years. I blow my nose into cloth wipes. Get yourself some. I think you'll be able to with, you know, to um, to survive the winter a little better if you have these. Moving right along, we have underrated, overrated, properly rated. Today we're talking about three staples of Mexican-American cuisine. Burritos, tacos, and nachos. One of them is overrated, one of them is underrated, one of them is properly rated. First off, burritos. Overrated. Are you surprised to hear me say that? Probably not. Earlier I spoke of my inability to use chopsticks. I am a messy eater. If I'm eating a burrito, I'm talking 10 to 20 napkins. Truly disgusting. Salsa running down my arm, sour cream on my chin. Like, burritos are way too unwieldy for this guy. I'm using a fork by the end. The tortilla's falling apart. I like tacos better. Tacos are going to be properly rated. At least you can hold them in your hand. I don't like when they're overstuffed. Of course, I don't like when they're understuffed either, but a properly portioned taco is a lot more manageable than a big-ass burrito. Same flavors. Um, and you know the Chicago restaurants do tacos, right? So got to get properly rated. And then nachos are underrated. Not because anyone talks smack about nachos. Everyone loves nachos. But a lot of people won't do nachos for their entree. They'll make it a you know an appetizer. They'll split it with their partner. No, I'm eating a whole thing of nachos by myself. I am smashing some nachos. I love them. They're so delicious. Get a little extra cup of cheese, a little cup of guacamole. Go crazy. Underrated nachos. Uh, Got to talk about a band that I've been listening to a lot this week. Very different from Randy Van Warmer. The band is called Fucked Up. Apologies for the, uh, the vulgar language. Fucked Up, Toronto band, hardcore punk band. At this point, kind of just an alt-rock band. Really interesting progression. But the record I've been listening to the most from them as of late is their debut full-length, Hidden World. If you're a hardcore freak like me, you probably know about this record. It's about 80 minutes long, which is absolutely astounding. It's so long for a punk record. But it doesn't, until the very end, lose my interest. The first 20 or 30 minutes of that record are as strong as any punk LP ever committed to tape. I will, that, that's, uh, it gets the, the 20 and 20 uh, seal of approval. Fucked Up's Hidden World is their best LP probably. Uh, it's certainly their most punk. And um, it's I've, I've listened to it a million times and I do not grow tired of it. It's terrific. Um, Got to give a shout out to baseball jackets, coaches jackets. I saw a member of the... Um, Bluegrass group, New Grass Revival, Bella Flex old group. Uh, he was wearing a really cool coach's jacket in one of their promotional pictures. And I thought, you know what? I love coach's jackets. I love a good baseball dugout jacket. A little satin action with the cotton wrists, the cuffs. Uh, and it got snap buttons, not a zipper, snaps. Uh, the ones that the Chicago White Sox coaches wear are good. You can go... Uh, if you're on eBay, you could do like vintage Chicago White Sox jacket. That'll give you hundreds of, of choices. You can look for some from the 80s. Uh, I can't remember what brand put them on. Maybe Russell Athletic, Riddell uh, was one company that was doing it. Um, terrific stuff. Uh, highly recommended. Baseball jackets. I got one from a local bar and grill called Bud's. DG Heads will remember that. 
want to give uh, a little bit of an insight into my head. When I am riding my bike around town, I see a lot. I notice a lot. And one of the things I notice is that there is a particular brand of driver who will not um, wait for a red light to turn green if the intersection is like totally deserted. I see it a lot around the United Center because the United Center, of course, right now uh, is a ghost town. There's nothing going on over there. All the parking lots are empty. The streets are empty. And a lot of people just blow through the red lights there. And it got me thinking about a theory I've long had, which is like, I wonder if the number of tickets you'd, uh, you'd end up getting over the course of your lifetime versus the amount of time you would save not waiting for pointless red lights. I wonder if that would be a worthwhile trade. I have ran some red lights before in that area, but mostly to outrun bad weather. Um, I don't think I'm ever going to become that guy who runs red lights freely, but I wish I had the guts to do it. I really do. Mentioned that I've been doing a lot of reading lately. Uh, one of my favorite authors ever is a Swedish author by the name of Per Lagerhuist. I had to consult um, a... Uh, she was Swedish herself or perhaps Norwegian, but she, uh, the old librarian in Juno helped me with the pronunciation of Per Lagerhuist. Uh, Kathy hates when I say it like that, but uh, Per, P-A-R, Lagerhuist, L-A-G-E-R-K-V-I-S-T. Won a Nobel Prize in 1951 for uh, fiction writing. He is a monster uh, writer, writes parables, very different from the style that I like to write, very different from what the stuff I usually like to read. But um, his best books like Barabbas, The Dwarf, The Sibyl, Pilgrim at Sea are all like very interesting, sometimes violent, uh, philosophical, thought-provoking, very clear um, pieces of fiction. Highly recommended, especially if you like, um, if, I mean, if you like that turn of the century or um, I'm sorry, mid-20th century, sort of like ethical, philosophical fiction. I don't know where I'm going with this. Per Lagerhuist, um, underrated. Nobody talks about him anymore. Um, properly rated would be the impeachment, the second impeachment of Donald Trump. Not going to get into this too much. Frankly, quite tired of talking about Donald Trump. But um, I do want to say that it, it gives me some comfort to know that if he is impeached and he is found whatever, found guilty, I don't know what the, the terminology is. If he is thrown out of office, even after his term is completed, he won't be able to, to run for president again. That's very comforting. I could see him getting reelected in four years, especially if Biden has some trouble, especially if, you know, the right is allowed to, to blossom even more than they are now. Um, so, yeah, I, I do find it a little shameful that Republicans have, you know, wrung every little, little bit of political capital out of this man used him as long as they could, and now they're just like, you know, throwing him out. But that's the genius of Mitch McConnell. He's an evil genius. And um, I I can see where he's going with this one. I, I really can. Um, yeah, fuck him, though. I hate that guy. Uh, I want to talk a little, just briefly about cloth bags. Um, can someone do the research for me? I've been meaning to do it, but I keep forgetting. Look into this. Our cloth bags is the continued production and use and industry around making cloth bags, canvas bag, tote bags, grocery bags that are reusable. Is that a, um, what's the word, uh, sustainable industry? Or is that just like using more cotton and water than just 
using one-time use only bags. I actually use one-time use only plastic bags. I use them twice because I pick up the dog crap with it. But um, I've been I've been interested about that question of cloth bags. I, I grant that they are better for grocery shopping. They're a lot stronger. You're not afraid they're going to fall apart. But um, I don't want to be making it, it seems like every uh, little fashion brand, art brand, museum, stupid band has a, a tote bag. We don't need that many tote bags. Let's use the ones we do have, okay? Uh, I want to give a shout out very briefly again to Moss Ego Shoes. I've been trying to find, um, you know, sneakers that aren't made in a sweatshop, which is actually kind of hard. Nike, Adidas, Reebok, New Balance, Vans, Asics, they all make their shoes um, in conditions that are, uh, you probably wouldn't work under these conditions. A lot of the times they're actually, they're, they're not, they don't divulge too much about how they, they manufacture their stuff, and that's probably for a reason. So I wanted to find a company that manufactured sneakers specifically in a transparent way, and Moss Ego appears to be that company. They only have like 500 followers on Instagram, so you'd be getting in on the ground floor of this young, exciting company. They make sneakers uh, by hand. They uh, Apparently from the start to the finish of the sneaker production, only three different people work on that sneaker. That is very cool. One of them is made with um, like indigo canvas or denim on top. And you know, I'm a denim head here at the uh, 20 and 20. And so that really appeals to me. I'm not saying I have to fade tennis shoes, but like kind of want to. Kind of want to see what that's all about. Price tag, 350 That's high. I'm, I'm not going to say that's not high. That's very, very expensive for a pair of sneakers. But uh, do we even know how much ethically made sneakers should cost? Does anyone have an idea? I don't know how should I, I've never done it so maybe that's the cost maybe that's what you got to pay if you want to live right Brooks and Dunn the famous country duo put out a song in 1991 called Neon Moon I think you should check it out it was recently covered by Cigarettes After Sex and that was actually the first time I heard Neon Moon I'm not a country guy I was not raised in a country household so a lot of these classic number one country tracks that every person in like maybe Nashville or or in Texas would know. I don't know them. I've never heard. I, I did not know what Brooks and Dunn really even was. Now I know, and I love their song Neon Moon. Check it out. Great lyrics. Very tasteful production. Very classic. Does not stink of the late '80s, early '90s. No gated drums. None of that nonsense. Beautiful recording. Really clear vocals. Yeah, I'm into it. I'm into it. Maybe country is the next horizon for me, but it's got to be just right, like Neon Moon. Okay. In conclusion, I want to talk about Guess Who. Guess Who is a game for children or adults. Uh, our neighbors, Sierra and Jack, uh, shout out to them, turned us on to Guess Who maybe oh, three or four months ago. And we finally got our kids their own set of Guess Who. And it is super fun. Like, they are not tiring of it at all. Um, it's the exact same game you played when you were a kid. Yes, the pictures have changed a little bit. Yes, the players or the, the guess who characters are a little more diverse i like to see that um but you know the, the mechanics of the game the rules of the game really haven't changed even peter who's only three years old understands the rules and, and can play um he can usually play a game and it, it keeps his interest after one game he loses it alice could play several games and she's getting very good at it um so guess who if you got kids uh give it a chance i think they'll enjoy it okay that's it for me this was episode 13 of 20 and 20, uh, the rapid fire review show from the new experimental hours podcast network. 
My name was Pat. I was your host, and I'll be your host again next week. I'll be back. You know it. Uh, if you see us on Apple Podcasts or like wherever you stream, maybe hit us with a rating. Give us a five-star review. Uh, say some nice things about me on the internet. And maybe someday down the line I'll be able to thank you with a, a brewski in the backyard or perhaps a, uh, you know, just a, a nice uh, vegan hot dog uh, carnival somewhere. Who knows? Maybe a soft pretzel. I would love that. Take care of yourselves, everybody. Hope you have a great week. Bye-bye.